in the process of organizing the exhibition, I think my favorite part is selecting the works of art and figuring out the groupings and the stories. So for the Walter Yost exhibition, for example, um, I elected to organize the works thematically by emotion. And so there's five different galleries and the first gallery is anticipation and then perseverance, triumph, disappointment and reflection. And the oh, thinking wow. behind that was that not everyone that comes to the museum, myself included, is particularly knowledgeable about sports or has played sports or watches a lot of sports. Um, and I was worried that if we did it strictly chronological, people might not be familiar with the athletes. If we grouped it by sport, it might start to get repetitive. But by doing it by emotion, I feel that when I'm looking at these photographs, even if I've never swung a baseball bat, I can relate to the look on that player's face. Um, and we've got some great ones in the disappointment section of like Arnold Palmer with his putter at his feet and the look on his face is just like, oh, he's just like clearly missed this putt. And so like, I can connect to those. Welcome back to Knowledge Brews Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity. And it is I, your host, Dr. John Chansey, back and better than ever. And on today's show, I'm joined by Dr. Bryn Shockmel from the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. Dr. Shockmel has a PhD in Renaissance art history from Boston University. She's worked since 2019 with the Oklahoma City Museum of Art, first beginning as a researcher and eventually moving into her current role uh, as curator uh, in 2020. And I'm a huge fan of this museum. I uh, can't say enough good things about it. There's always just something cool going on there. So many cool exhibits. Um, my wife and I try to, you know, get out and see each new exhibit once they're made public. So, you know, and we have never been disappointed. So I'm thrilled to have somebody from the museum with such uh, expertise in this area uh, to represent the museum. So welcome to the show, Dr. Shockmel. How are you today? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Awesome. Awesome. So to begin, you know, I want to I want to talk about the museum of, uh, itself. So what's new at the Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma City Museum of Art? What are some current exhibits, uh, you know, right now that you're maybe most excited about? We've got a lot of interesting things happening at the museum right now. Um, the biggest change is that our very popular Chihuly exhibition just closed because we're moving the whole thing from the third floor down to the first floor oh, wow. for a brand new installation and reimagining um, Chihuly then and now. And so that will open in June. And my colleague Catherine is curating that exhibition and she's worked really hard to um, acquire some new loans to flesh out the telling of the story, to reimagine how we want this to look. And so I've been sort of in the background of this, just watching our team very carefully pack up all of this glass. And it, that's been very exciting. And I can't wait to see how it looks when it opens again in June. Um, 
We've got a couple of other small exhibitions up right now of modern art. And then the exhibition that I worked on that opened about a month ago is our sports photography show. So it's yes. the perfect shot, Walter Yost Jr. and the art of sports photography. And that is a project that I've been working on for a while. And I'm so happy that it's finally open and that people are coming in to see it. Excellent, excellent. One of my favorite things about the Oklahoma City Museum of Art is if you take somebody there and they have never seen the Chihuly exhibit, you know, in the first time, just watching their reaction to it, it's yeah. just stunning. So I'm extremely excited to hear about the move and also maybe some updates to the pieces mm -hmm. and, and more to see. That's fantastic. And so that's a great segue too, because I want to jump into a specific exhibit you just talked about, which is the perfect shot. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it, it features iconic photog uh, photographs, um, you know, um, from Walter Yost uh, Jr. from Sports Illustrated. These photographs are amazing. They capture, I mean, events from all over the sports spectrum. You have like high school softball, you have photos from the Super Bowl, you have Michael Jordan when he played for the Bulls. I mean, it's incredible for me. I'm, I'm a huge sports nut. So I love to see these moments captured. And, uh, you know, and I think what I'm really curious about is how did this exhibit come to be? You know, like you're the one curating this, setting this up, like who reached out to who to make this happen? Like, were you involved in selecting individual photos or, or how did, what's the mm -hmm. background on this exhibit? So the bulk of the photographs, 75 out of the 85 are actually from our own permanent collection. We've oh, been wow. really growing our photography collection over the last decade or so, acquiring a lot of new photographs by really important photographers. And we amassed quite a, a collection of photographs by Walter Yost. Um, and so my colleagues and I here decided that we should do an exhibit and um, I was the one who sort of assigned this project. And so I started working on this uh, back in 2020 and going through our collection, seeing what photographs we have, thinking about how I might want to organize the show, but also thinking about um, getting some loans because going through our collection, um, Walter has been a photographer working for Sports Illustrated since the 60s. He's still active today, but we didn't have as many of his modern photographs. We didn't have as many of sort of more contemporary athletes, athletes of my generation, um, nor did we have as many um, women athletes. And so I really wanted to get some uh, Serena Williams and Michelle Kwan and Jackie Joyner-Kersey and Michael Phelps and some more contemporary athletes, greater diversity of sport. Um, and so we worked with at Walter's gallery in New York and they've been wonderful and they lent us an additional 10 photographs to sort of round out the exhibition. So it's mostly from our collection, um, but also some loans to make a more comprehensive show. Oh, that's wonderful. Love to hear the collaboration. That's great. That's great. So now I want to jump into kind of more the the day to day kind of the nitty gritty of being a museum curator because I don't you know I don't know a whole lot about it. So, you know, I want to know more. Generally speaking, what goes into the process of choosing new pieces or new collections for the museum and, and kind of maybe uh, what does maybe a typical day look like for you as a museum curator? Yeah, so I would say, um, well, for the first part of your question, thinking about new acquisitions, we have certain areas of strength for our museum. So we collect um, predominantly American and European art from the 18th century to the present. Obviously, glass is a huge part of our collection um, and photographs and works on paper. So when we're collecting, we're focusing on those areas. But as to sort of like my day to day, it's very kind of cyclical, depending on where I am in the process of an exhibition. So 
at the beginning of working on Walter Yost, for example, it's doing a lot of research, learning as much as I can about the artist, learning as much as I can about the individual works of art, seeking out loans. Um, so very, very research heavy. I read um, Walter's published a lot of books. And so I was ordering all of his books um, going through. He's um, he's still alive. He's done a lot of interviews, podcasts, articles, and so getting all of these primary resources. Um, and so lots of research. And then as I get further along into the exhibition, it's thinking about the organization and the layout. And so for that, I'm a very visual person. And so I like to print out the works of art and I have these boards in my office and I can pin them up and think about, okay, which ones would make interesting pairings? How do I wanna group these? What's the sort of story I want to tell? And then starting to write the labels, which go through um, many rounds of editing. And then as we get closer to the installation, then it's more hands-on in the galleries. Um, I'm not the one actually hanging the works of art, but I like to be up there and watching and seeing. Um, so it definitely sort of has a kind of cycle as to where I am in the exhibition. And usually I'm working on a few exhibitions at once. And so I'm always got some research, some writing, different, different things going on. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I do more research in terms of like academic work, but it always is kind of nice to have something in the fire at, at different stages mm -hmm. to kind of keep yourself motivated and engaged. Exactly. So that's really interesting to hear. So my next question, and I consider myself in this group because I'm, you know, just a consumer of, you know, going to the museum and seeing the art, but from your experience and expertise, what does the general public maybe not understand about the work that does go into museum curation? Are, are there any, perhaps any misconceptions you think the general public might have? Hmm. Uh, I think it surprises people sometimes to learn how long these exhibitions take. So we have our exhibition calendar right now up to, I think, 2025 or 2026. And so wow. we're working on these exhibitions many, many years out. Um, and different types of exhibitions will have a different timeline. If it's a smaller exhibition that's just pulled from our own collection, you know, that might take a year or less. But if it's a big exhibition like the Pompeii one we had last summer, that takes, right. you know, many years of planning and working with partners in Italy and things like that. So I think people are sometimes surprised when I say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on this exhibition. It's not going to open until 2025. And they're like, what? <laughs> so I think that it's just a longer timeline than a lot of people realize. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. Okay, cool. So I want to switch gears again. Um, I want to go back in time a bit. How did you decide that you wanted to get involved in museum creation or museum curation, excuse me? What inspired you to, to go into this field of study? Was there a museum or an artist that, you know, captivated this passion for the arts? Or when did you know that, okay, this is my passion. This is what I want to pursue as far as a degree and career is concerned? Well, I, so I grew up in upstate New York and um, about equal distance from New York City and Boston, two and a half hours to each. And so growing up, my family and I, we frequently would go down to New York to go to the Met and MoMA and the Frick. And then we'd go to Boston to go to the MFA and the Gardner. So I went to a lot of museums um, as a child. And then in high school, I took a, a fine arts class that was um, sort of structured around art history. And so as we're learning about ancient Egyptian art, we're, you know, doing paintings on papyrus and things like that. Um, and that was really the class that I was like, ooh, this art history, like, I really am interested in this. I think this is what I would want to do. And so pretty much since high school, I've been sort of focused on um, getting my degree in art history and then ultimately becoming a curator because I 
I'm happiest when I'm in a museum. When I travel, I'm always seeking out new museums to visit. Um, so I get a lot of joy out of my work. Oh, that's great to hear. That's awesome. So that's a nice segue to my next question. So what do you enjoy the most? I mean, you kind of answered a little bit, but maybe what do you enjoy the most? What are what are the aspects of museum creation that get you most excited or uh, that you really love coming to work for? Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of things. I think in the process of organizing the exhibition, I think my favorite part is selecting the works of art and figuring out the groupings and the stories. So for the Walter Yost exhibition, for example, um, I elected to organize the works thematically by emotion. And so there's five different galleries and the first gallery is anticipation and then perseverance, triumph, disappointment and reflection. And the oh, thinking wow. behind that was that not everyone that comes to the museum, myself included, is particularly knowledgeable about sports or has played sports or watches a lot of sports. Um, and I was worried that if we did it strictly chronological, people might not be familiar with the athletes. If we grouped it by sport, it might start to get repetitive. But by doing it by emotion, I feel that when I'm looking at these photographs, even if I've never swung a baseball bat, I can relate to the look on that player's face. Um, and we've got some great ones in the disappointment section of like Arnold Palmer with his putter at his feet and the look on his face is just like, oh, he's just like clearly missed this putt. And so like, I can connect to those. Yeah. And so coming up with sort of the story that I want to tell and thinking about those groupings, that's the part of the planning that I enjoy the most. And then once the exhibition's on the walls, I really enjoy giving tours. Um, and I've, so this exhibition's been up for about a month and I've taken around um, members of the general public, um, people, uh, members, I've done some school group tours and I really enjoy people's reactions to the exhibition and seeing what aspects they like and what aspects they don't like. Um, that's very rewarding for me. Awesome, awesome. Well, I want to flip that question around. Conversely, what are maybe some of the more challenging aspects mm. of working in museum curation? I think probably, I imagine this is true at a lot of workplaces, that some of the most challenging aspects are the things that are out of our control. So we work a lot with other institutions, with lenders, with other museums, sometimes internationally, like with the Pompeii show. And it can sometimes be a lot of waiting, like we're waiting for someone to sign this contract. We're waiting for someone to give us approval to use this image in our marketing. We're waiting for this. And that can be frustrating when it messes up your timeline and you just, there's not much you can do about it. So I would say that can sometimes be the trickiest. And I'm sure that probably is true for a lot of careers. <laughs> so I kind of, I want to piggyback off that as kind of a follow-up question. Have you ever gone through this process of trying to set up like an exhibit or build an exhibit and you're doing all this waiting and you're getting all excited about it and imagining how it's going to play out but then it doesn't actually you know maybe something falls through yeah. like maybe one of those connections you're waiting for you know something falls out and you can't do it now fortunately in my career that hasn't happened yet we were very lucky with Pompeii so Pompeii opened um, last summer, summer 2021, but we've been planning it for many years. And those works all came from Italy, from Naples. Sure. And the exhibition was originally intended to plant, to tour to a number of museums in the United States. Um, but because of COVID, uh, 
all the other venues had to drop out and we were the only one who was still able to make it work. So we were wow. really lucky. Um, there were some, normally a, a courier would come over with the works of art, but because of all the travel restrictions still in place at the time, um, the no courier was able to come. So we had to pivot to a lot of virtual things and just so many museums um, planned these incredible exhibitions that were never realized because of COVID. And that was just heartbreaking. Wow. Like I, um, in February, 2020, so right before all of this broke out, I traveled to Los Angeles on a research trip and I went to the Getty and saw this amazing exhibition of Michelangelo drawings. And the exhibition I think was up for like two weeks and then they had to close it and it never reopened. And there were some exhibitions that just never happened at all. And so sure. that we were very lucky that here in OKC Omoy that didn't happen to us, but I hearing about people who worked so hard on exhibitions that never then happened, that was pretty heartbreaking, but not for me personally. So I've been lucky in that. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, the, the, you know, the pandemic hit everybody hard, but I think, you know, the Oklahoma City Museum of Art was able to make the best of it, you know. Yes, I think so. I was able, I was able to see that as a consumer of the art, it was one of the few reliefs I felt like, oh, great, we can still do something, even with a mask on or even yeah. distancing, you know, maybe this is how art should have been consumed anyways, kind of spaced apart, giving each other a little space to, mm -hmm. you know, to really process it. So mm -hmm. actually, it actually might have worked out better, in yeah. some cases, you know, um, all things considered. So from what I understand, you know, curation, museum curation is its own art form. You know, there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of, you know, creative processes along the way. And so what I'm curious is at what moment or moments during this process of curation, do you feel the most creative or, or inspired to be creative? That's a good question. Um, so we have a really wonderful design team here at the museum. And I so enjoy working with them because they're more of the creative side of it. And so they think about the color scheme and the font and what should the frames look like. And um, they do so much work in house. Um, my colleague Randall built all 85 frames for the Yoast photographs and they're just beautiful craftsmanship. Um, our designer Ernesto, came up with these great colors. We've got some, these two beautiful sort of accent walls in the exhibition that just add this wonderful pop of color. Um, and so working with them and hearing their ideas and seeing how they take the exhibition, which up till that point is mostly sort of on paper and it's things that I've written um, and them turning it into this more 3D um, world. That's always very, very exciting for me. Awesome. Yeah. To kind of see the fruits of the labor finally, you know, to, to be, you know, manifest. That's really exactly. Cool. So now I'm curious, you know, kind of your opinion as a consumer of art, you know, mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of background in a lot of education in art history and, and curation. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite piece of art or perhaps a collection by an artist or maybe a favorite uh, period of art or, you know, how, what, what are you, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. I mean, that's very tricky. Like, so I studied the Italian Renaissance and that's definitely my favorite area. Um, and of Renaissance artists, this is somewhat of a cliche answer for a Renaissance art historian, but I love Michelangelo. I mean, I just think he's sort of the greatest of all time. Sure. Uh, so Michelangelo, and then I wrote my dissertation on an artist named Andrea Mantegna, who's from Mantua in Northern Italy. And so I really um, am very fond of his works. And then there's another artist named Bronzino who just, 
I think it was last year, um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art did a huge exhibition of Medici portraits that featured a lot of works by Bronzino and I love him. And then there are a number of great women artists from the Renaissance who have been overshadowed and not recognized. And my favorite is Lavinia Fontana, who just did these incredible portraits, just beautifully detailed with such rich colors. And um, the Wadsworth Athenaeum Museum in Hartford had an exhibition last year Ooh. that I was able to see when I was home for Christmas. Um, of women artists from Italy. And so it had a lot of works by Lavinia Fontana and Artemisia Gentileschi and Sofonispa Anguissola. And that, that was a wonderful exhibition because these women um, need to get their due. So those are some of my favorite Renaissance artists. Awesome. Okay, I want to do a quick follow-up then. So, you know, why, what is it about the Renaissance period itself that is so fascinating even to this day? I mean, it's you know, I, I can recall vividly about learning it as like early as elementary school. And I, you know, I understand the reverence for it, but I'm curious from your expertise, mm -hmm. why is this such like one of the pivotal uh, art movements, creative movements of its time? And why, why do we still talk about it so much? I can guess but yeah. I'm from your expertise. Well, so from sort of an art historical perspective, a lot of the conventions that were established during the Renaissance, like standards of beauty and what we value in art, at least in the Western world, um, still continues through to today. Oh, wow. And um, my, in addition to the Renaissance, my other area of interest is the classical world. Um, sure, sure. And so I studied classics a lot in college and in grad school, and there's a great deal of overlap between classics and the renaissance and so i enjoy how those two worlds intersect how so many classical myths and stories are portrayed in renaissance art um i love all of the politics all of the religion all of the patronage and all these different families like I, getting into the family dynamics um my dissertation was on the gonzaga family in mantua obviously the medici family like all the different ways that these families sort of used art and used their power to just create these incredible cities. Um, so there's just, there's just so many interesting things happening during the Renaissance. And so that's what I find particularly intriguing. And I think the reason it's still so popular today is that a lot of these figures are so larger than life, like sure. Michelangelo, like Leonardo da Vinci. They're just, they're names that people know. They often have these sort of like fables attached to them at this point. Yeah. Um, and there's still so many sort of pop culture references to them, movies, TV shows being made about them with varying degrees of fact and fiction. <laughs> so <All> right. <laughs> I think that's part of it. Excellent. Okay, cool, cool. So besides the Oklahoma City Museum of Art, what are some of your favorite museums to visit, um, either out of state? And I'm also curious, do you have any uh, other recommendations for in-state museums you think that are, you know, worth mm -hmm. the visit as well? So my favorite museum in, in the whole world is the Louvre, um, oh, which one. is not, <laughs> it's a pretty common answer, I'm sure. I studied sure. abroad in Paris. I've gone back many times. I love the Louvre. Um, here in Oklahoma, um, some museums that I've really enjoyed visiting are the 45th Infantry Division Museum, oh, um, wow. which has an incredible collection of military vehicles and planes, and then all of this amazing history military history in the museum. It's just 
packed. Um, so I love that museum. And then in Shawnee, the Maybe Guerra Museum is fantastic. Wow. And that museum has everything from Egyptian mummies and Greek vases, lots of Renaissance paintings, um, and then up to present day um, work by Oklahoma artists. So I love the Maybe Guerra. And then somewhat more regionally, I recently visited the Jocelyn Museum of Art in Omaha, which I'd never been to. That was a fantastic museum. Um, I love the Nelson Atkins up in Kansas City and then um, the Kimball down in Fort Worth. So for sort of like day trips, those those are my favorite. Oh, good, good. A little bit farther afield. But yeah. I've been really, so I've been here for two and a half years now and I've had such a good time visiting so many different museums in Oklahoma and in sort of the surrounding states that I'd never been to before. There's like really rich culture in this area. Oh, wonderful. No, and I'm curious, kind of as a follow-up to that, does the Oklahoma City Museum of Art, do you have opportunities to collaborate with some of these other local museums, maybe share ideas, research, or even exhibits? Oh, absolutely. Um, we frequently lend works of art to other museums in the area for exhibitions that they're doing, and we in turn borrow works of art from local museums um, here in OKC and Tulsa, like the Philbrook and the Gilcrease. Um, and we, we, yeah, we definitely work closely with our colleagues at these museums, go to events at the other institutions, they come here, and it's a very nice museum community. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So I know that your work also puts you into contact with, you know, art and artists, probably from all around the world. Um, but I'm curious, you, you said you've been in Oklahoma City for a, a couple of years, two and a half years now. How would you describe the Oklahoma City art scene from your experiences thus far? Or maybe as a comparison, how does it compare to Boston, for example? I find the scene here to be very lovely and that everyone, like when I first moved here, everyone was so welcoming and so kind. And I, I didn't know a single person in Oklahoma when I moved here. Um, and I was immediately being invited to um, art events with, with OVAC and other societies, um, going to different openings, different galleries. I feel it's a very, very supportive community and that I've been much more involved with the art community here than I actually was in Boston. And possibly because Boston is a larger city, sure. um, well, I actually don't know if it is a larger city, but um, uh, I feel that the community here in Oklahoma City is more connected, a little bit more grounded, maybe, and that people are very supportive. Oh, great. Glad to hear that. Well, I'm starting, we're starting to wrap things up. I've got a couple more questions for you. One question I, I ask everybody who comes on the show, um, you know, whether it's museum or museum related or not, I'm curious, what are you watching, reading, listening mm. to these days, just that, you know, whatever it is that you're excited about or whatever, maybe to get through, uh, you know, the day or, or, or after a long day, whatever works for you. Yeah. Well, I've been reading a book that is sort of art history related. It's by Susan Vreeland and it's, a um, it's about Artemisia Gentileschi, who was an Italian, um, woman artist in the 17th century. And it's a sort of historical fiction. I really enjoy reading historical fiction, especially sort of set during the Renaissance and early modern period. And so about halfway through that book and it's so far very enjoying, enjoyable. Um, as to what I've been watching, well, the Oscars were just a couple of weeks ago. And so I was sure. watching sort of as many Oscar nominees as I could. I did not get to all of them. <laughs> and some of them just looked too depressing. And so I skipped them, but I watched as, as many as I could. I was sure. very, very happy that Coda won because yes. I loved Coda. I thought it was such a beautiful story. Yes. Um, 
I also really liked Flea, which was the documentary from Denmark, um, the animated, and that was one of my favorites. Although my favorite film from last year, which did not get any nominations, was I'm Your Man, which was a German film that I actually saw here at the museum. Oh, wow. It was very, very good. Um, and I was disappointed that that didn't get nominated. But <laughs> yeah, those are some of the movies that I've been watching. As oh, wonderful. I can't, I can't agree enough about Coda. I was so oh, happy it won. It, and it was a deep year for good movies, too. Yeah. And the fact that Coda just stood out so strongly you know, goes a long way. Yeah. I uh, feel like people were... It's been a tough couple of years and people reacted to a movie that was so positive and yes. heartwarming. So that's yes. what I really liked about it. Yes. Any good recommendations for, I know you can also watch films at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. What's currently playing? What's worth, you know, what, uh, get out of the house and go see a movie sometime. Oh yeah, we have so many good movies here. Um, I'm not sure what's coming up this weekend, um, but my colleague Lisa does an amazing job of finding really unique films, a lot of international films and films that probably aren't playing anywhere else in Oklahoma. So you should always check the website and see what films we've got coming up because I've seen a lot of really good movies here. Wonderful, okay, okay, great. Well, as we're wrapping things up, I'm just curious, maybe how can listeners of Knowledge Brew Supreme, if they're listening to this episode and they want to either check out the museum or maybe get involved and help out in some way, how can, how can listeners help out uh, or, or visit the Oklahoma City uh, Museum of Art? Yeah, well, um, the best way to sort of help us out is by coming to the museum. Um, we, we are so happy when we have visitors and new visitors and people who come for the first time. Um, you can find all the hours and information on our website, which is okcmoa.com. Um, children always get in free. And we just, um, so the Yost exhibition of sports photography, that'll be up until September. So you have plenty of time to come see that. And then the Chihuly will reopen in June. And so you'll definitely wanna make sure you come back for that. Um, and we've always got things going on, tours and such. So you can find out more information about that on our website, about the film schedule. Um, yeah, so please just come in and visit, stop by the shop. There's lots of fun things to do. Yes, it's a great shop too. It I, it's like, got to get a cup of coffee, got to get, go to the shop. I mean, it's just, it's a whole, it's a whole day thing. You could spend yes. your whole day at the museum. It's not that expensive. If you got no. kids, like you said, it's free. It's great for everybody and it's, it supports the community. So, yes. um, and I'll be sure to put a link to the website in the show notes so people can check that out. So thank you. Thank you again so much to Dr. Bryn Schockmel for joining me today to talk about all the wonderful things that are happening at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. Please go out and visit this museum. It's a wonderful place for anyone. If you're in the Oklahoma City area or if you're visiting, it's a great place to check out some wonderful art. Um, so thank you very much. This makes episode 24 of Knowledge Brews Supreme. I am your host, Dr. John Chansey. My ultimate goal is to get to 100 episodes, and that means I'm only 76 away from that goal. Thank you for listening today. Please do me a favor, share this podcast with a friend, you know, a loved one who might want to listen and learn about museum curation and all the cool things happening in Oklahoma City art-wise. Uh, I could use all the help I can get to help the show continue to grow. So that's it for today. Be good, be safe, and peace out. Thank you.